We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. fans how you doing it's your boy gmac with you for another episode of the Knicks film school podcast here with a brand new version of the kfs podcast so we're going to be trying something for the rest of the season and it's going to start with today you're hearing this on a friday the name that we're going with for right now is called casual friday in which the crew that you've heard most of them, um, in fact, you've heard all of them now that I think about it, because even though we tried for a month to get Mensa on, but then John got sick, I got sick, and John got sick again. Um, the three of these gentlemen have been helping us with the pregame show or co-hosting the pregame show for the first half of the season. And here in 2023, they're going to be the casual Friday crew because it's Friday and we're all a bunch of casuals talking about the Knicks, right? Um, so I'm here to introduce the three gentlemen that you're going to hear every Friday for the rest of the season, as long as the Knicks don't have a game on Thursday. Um, and joining me for Casual Friday, the very first one, uh, you heard him a little bit about a month ago. It's going to be XJ. Uh, XJ, how you doing? How, how are the vibes right now? Vibes are immaculate. I'm super casual right now. Super ready to go for the pod. Let's do it. Let's do it. And next we have uh, the king of Rihanna's internet. The one and only Sean with a W. You hear him every Saturday on uh, KFS study hall or Sunday, whenever we decide to turn the, the Twitter spaces into a podcast. Sean, how are the vibes? The vibes are, um, they're not immaculate, but they are, they're optimal. I think that's a good way to put them. Vibes optimal are optimal. Vibes. Optimal yes. vibes. It's better than bad vibes. I dig it. And Absolutely. then it's funny. So I hinted at this. We scheduled each of them to have a KFS pod appearance in the first three months of the season. Mensa was supposed to get December. And so we scheduled him. Then John got sick. He was like, hey, you mind rescheduling to a week from now? Sure. Then I got sick and we had to pivot. And he was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Then John got sick again. But then RJ went off of 44 and we had him on for the beginning of that ep- that postgame pod. Also, 
used to be a regular contributor when we were doing Spotify green rooms. And uh, that's when it was just Mensa Smith married man. Cause you called us on the day of your, you called it on the day of your wedding Mensa to contribute to Spotify green room. Mensa Smith, the king of betting and sweating. You should follow him uh, at more like Mensa because his betting picks are immaculate. Mensa. I, I know the Knicks, uh, like we we share sports allegiances, so the Jets and Mets vibes. I know how those are, but as far as your Knicks vibes, how are they doing? The Knicks vibes are great, man. I'm I love what we're go. I love what we're doing. I love how we're going. Um, and no matter what guys are doing on other teams, I will be very content with what we have in New York. I agree, and that's a great segue into how we're gonna do this episode. So. I have no idea if this is going to be every week that we do this type of format, but XJ, being the genius that he is, came up with a format called Box in One, in which we will each come to the table with a topic, a discussion topic, a, a stat that leads to a discussion, a thing they heard, a take they heard, um, something that leads to a discussion, uh, kind of like the sports reporters uh, way back in the day. Um, shout out to the old heads that recognize that reference or understand that reference. Um, so yes, thank you, Sean. <laughs> um, Mensa, I'm going to give you the floor first with your topic because I th- a topic because I do think it is the from what I can tell the list of topics we have today, it's the one that was the most prevalent today. Um, so Mensa, the floor is yours. What is your box in one topic for this episode? So the box in one topic for me is going to be this um, rolling uh, FOMO of not being able to land Donovan Mitchell in a trade. Um, before we even let's discuss what Utah gave up. No, I'm sorry. What Cleveland gave up in that trade, they gave up the arguable front runner for most improved player of the year. And Larry Markinen. they gave up their 2022 lottery pick 14th overall. And I, I think Oche Agbaji is the name uh, guy, the wing out of Kansas. And they also gave up unprotected picks in 2025, 2027, 2029, as well as unprotected pick swaps in 2026 and 2028. So that is five years unprotected control of their draft. They gave up a really good basketball player in Lowry Markinen, an eh kind of guy in Colin Sexton, which kind of looks like a bad contract. So we really won't. Well, I mean, it's part of the trade, but who cares? Mm-hmm. And they gave up their lottery pick. So we could argue that they gave up what five picks plus, plus like five and a half draft picks unprotected and a really good basketball player that they can either keep and build around or flip in about a year or two. They had a lot of assets And not just that, but they added him to a team that had Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. The New York Knicks, not even in hindsight, at the time, would not have been able to match that trade. And please, at least a Knicks fan as rational as me, there's no way I want you trading five years of your draft for Donovan Mitchell, who is a top 10 player in the NBA right now. Do not get me wrong. However, the New York Knicks the way we felt at the moment, we're not able to do something like that and add another guy because we always know it's not just about getting the first guy, but getting the second guy, given the state of the roster. Fast forward to, what was it? Monday night. Yeah, it was definitely Monday night. Fast forward to Monday night and Donovan Mitchell scores 71 points in an overtime victory against the Chicago Bulls. 
And everybody went nuts. Oh, this is why we should have traded for him. Yada, yada, yada. The whole, the whole nine. So let's talk about what the Knicks would have had to do in order to match that trade package that Utah ended up getting from um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We probably would have had to put Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, three unprotected firsts, whatever the fake picks were, and some pick swaps. Let's not worry about the picks. Let's talk about what that does to the team immediately. Right now, the New York Knicks are top 10 in both offense and defense, seventh in net rating. Adding a guy like Donovan Mitchell to that offense obviously would have skyrocketed it. But if we lose Emmanuel quickly, what does that do to the defense? Mm -hmm. Maybe we keep Quentin Grimes, right? The long story short is that that trade that the Cleveland Cavaliers make, as opposed to if, even if the Knicks made that trade, that is an all in trade that the New York Knicks would not be in position to win a championship with. And we can argue all day, all night. I would actually argue in favor of the fact that Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson are playing better basketball than um, Darius Garland and Jared Allen this season. I would argue that. So maybe if you add Donovan Mitchell to the, to the team that we have now with a resurging Julius Randle, maybe we're a 50-win team, maybe we're a 55-win team, maybe we're a 57-win team. But when we have to play a team like the Boston Celtics and we're looking across at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, or we're playing the Milwaukee Bucks and we're looking across at Giannis Antetokounmpo, I will not know that I have the best player on my team as with the New York Knicks. And I would also know that I don't have the, um, the flexibility to get a guy better than Donovan Mitchell. And I don't believe that Julius Randle is ever going to be better than Donovan Mitchell. So Cleveland was able to make that trade for a very simple reason. They believe that in their building, they had two guys that could eventually be better than Donovan Mitchell. Because if you look at the history of basketball, not even the history of basketball, let's look at the last five years. The, last, the best players on the last five championship teams, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell is a great basketball player. He's a phenomenal basketball player. He's having the best season of his career. He would not be in the same tier of players, those guys. So when it comes down to it, the best player on your team for a championship team, and for me, yes, it is championship or bust. I understand the people that just want to watch a good product year in after year, but honestly, I'm 28. I got my whole life ahead of me. <laughs> I can be a little more patient than other guys. I want, when you make that trade, you have to get a guy that I could believe is going to take me to a championship. Not just a guy who's going to close in the fourth quarter, not just a guy who's going to win me a playoff series. I don't want that because honestly, you can win a playoff series without a superstar. But when you're making the superstar trade, it needs to be a superstar. And the last thing I'll say on this is understanding the win curve is basically everything when it comes to evaluating your basketball team and knowing the moves you can make two teams this summer evaluated their win curve and were dead wrong. Going all in for Rudy Gobert is easily a mistake, especially for all the picks they gave. And look at what the, um, the Atlanta Hawks did. They went all in for DeJounte Murray. They traded three picks. I think two of them were unprotected. And now what's the second move? And you're barely a playing team. So I give the Knicks front office credit for understanding where they were on the win curve, even if they underestimated it. I give them a little more credit for that and not going all in on Donovan Mitchell and holding on to the assets because now those same assets that we were offering to Danny Age, all of those assets now look better. 
Emmanuel quickly looks better. RJ Barrett looks better. Mitchell Robinson looks better. Quentin Grimes looks better. Obi Toppin looked better, but he got hurt. So I can't put, I can't um, fault anybody that way. So I'm proud of the New York Knicks. I was proud of them in the moment. It hurt because we didn't get Donovan Mitchell, but I'm proud that they understood where they were on the win curve. They did not make that trade. And now when the next guy comes up now, now is the time I believe for the Knicks to, to go forward and get that first guy, because we're seeing what Jalen Brunson looks like. We're seeing what Quentin Grimes looked like. We're watching RJ Barrett take the, um, take the next step. We're watching Julius Randle, um, be an all-star again and probably have, honestly, he's having the best season he's had as a New York Knicks, better than the we here season. We watched Mitchell Robinson take the next step. All of our guys are peaking right now. So we need now, if we add a superstar into the mix now, I know, okay, we don't have to give up as much for the next guy. Maybe not. Who knows? But we are in a position now that I believe we can make that star trade that I didn't believe in, in, in summer, in September. So, hey, we missed out on Donovan Mitchell. It sucks, but we didn't pay. We didn't overpay for a guy. We still have all of our assets and we're still a top 10 team in net rating on both offense and defense. So I'm happy with what we have and I'm willing to go to war with who we have. So a couple of things before I turn it over to the exchange, Sean, for any rebuttal or anything they want to add on. The only pushback I'll give as much as I'm fine. Like I was, I think I've landed on, I would have been able to talk myself into either way. You know, um, if they did make the Donovan Mitchell trade, it was like, eh, it's a lot, but you got Donovan Mitchell and they didn't make the trade. And it's like, all right, it's, it, it stinks. We don't get Donovan Mitchell, but you know, you're not, you're not completely screwed. You know, you know, like there is a, a pivot to a different kind of plan, which is what we've seen this season. The only pushback I'll give is like, any pride I have in this front office is almost by mistake. They tried to trade for Donovan Mitchell. And if Danny H calls back the day after he gets, or maybe the hour after he gets that offer from Cleveland, I'm pretty sure Donovan Mitchell's a Nick and the Knicks will have overpaid even worse. Um, they were, he was just tired of dealing with the Knicks. And so he, he pulled the trigger. The rest I, I, I agree with. And this led to a thread that you posted in which you got some activity um, on social media on Tuesday in which you laid all of this out so brilliantly. Also led to the name of this show, Casual Friday, because someone called you a casual. And here we are on Casual Friday. XJ, your thoughts on the the reaction to the Donovan Mitchell 71-point game and how it suddenly became a Knicks what-if of why they didn't trade for him? XJ, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't have a ton to add here. I think Mensa really covered it all really eloquently. From my perspective, I just think that fans are tend to be so prisoner of the moment and tend to be kind of just trapped in analyzing basketball like in a vacuum, um, as opposed to in context. Uh, if we had Donovan Mitchell, this would be a different Donovan Mitchell than the Cavs having Donovan Mitchell. I mean, yes, Mitchell is a singular talent would be exceptional anywhere he went, especially on the offensive end. But in that system with those players, with that, you know, the defensive backstops that he has there, um, the offensive co-stars that he has there, like that team is ready to ascend to potentially championship contention. And this was completely different context here. Um, So I, you know, I don't feel like, Hey, anything that happens in Cleveland with Mitchell would have happened here. Like I, I, we can't analyze that way. Like we have to consider the context. We have to consider 
all of the players and the assets that they have and the 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 place that they are as a franchise and whether they're willing, ready to go all in. And we just weren't there yet um, as a Knicks franchise. So, you know, I the 71 is great. Donovan Mitchell, we know, is a supreme offensive player, like a top 10 offensive player in the NBA. He's been that for the last maybe three, four, maybe five years. He's exceptional. And anybody would love to have him. But there's a price, there's an opportunity cost involved in every deal that you make. Um, and I liked it personally, not making the deal. Like you said, GMAC, like I don't give the front office credit for it based on the reporting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't necessarily give them credit for that. But I, I, you know, honestly, I'm glad that it didn't happen. Um, I think that in the long run, as long as this front office, the Knicks front office plays their cards right, we will be better off in the next five years than we would have been if we acquired Donovan Mitchell to, for some kind of extreme overpay, which would have included like RJ, maybe two of the other younger players, including like Quentin Grimes or IQ, three draft picks, um, all the like uh, maybe I think it was yeah three first uh, first round unprotected, and then all of the protected draft picks that we have. I, I think it's just too much, um, and I, I like the patient approach. So I, I'm on the same page. Sean, what about you? I mean, actually, like when you follow a team day by day, every day, it's very easy. I caught up in like the ups and the downs and the whims, right? Um, <clears throat> I saw that um, Jeremy, uh, our own Jeremy Cohen, had a little back and forth with a gentleman on the Twitter, uh, and the gentleman was just, you know, it was, it was. I mean, whatever. Um, and basically the point that he, the point that Jeremy was trying to make was that I think the gentleman was talking about, um, it was about, uh, someone not being in the, Oh, it was about, I forget what it was. I forget what it was about, but the point that the Jeremy was trying to make is that like, um, I can think one thing now and I can think another thing later based on information that I have. Well, right. But that doesn't necessarily make me a, uh, Flip flopper for lack of a better word. But oh, I think the gentleman yeah, was trying yeah. to impl- the gentleman was trying to imply that like if you weren't gonna trade Julius Randle until if you were gonna trade Julius Randle until this stretch of games and now you don't want to trade him, that's very wishy-washy. Mm. Um mm. and it's true. And you yeah. don't want your front office doing that. So the last thing I would want is for the front office of this team to say, you know what? I'm after seeing him score 71 points, I think we should have traded for Donovan Mitchell. I know what I'll do. The next star that comes along, nothing will get in our way. And we'll absolutely give up the entire farm for Carl Anthony Towns. In which case, I will then take um, a fake gun and hold it to my head. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the like, if, if, you, if, you, if you were against, if you were, if I was listening to um, one gentleman who who has a very popular podcast we'll get to later on in the show. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he was, he was on a Knicks side. Like he agreed to Nick should not have traded Mitch, not have traded for Mitchell. And then he's going to 71. And now he's like doing whatever. It's like, well, one, I know why you're doing, you're doing it for clicks, but it's like, really? Like if you were against it before one game should not have changed your mind. And if you were for it before, like if you're always for it, then, you know, because what happens is the people that were for it when Donovan Mitchell had a terrible stretch uh, before this game, no one was saying 
it would have been stupid to say, like, hey, this is why you shouldn't have traded for Donovan Mitchell because he had four bad games. It's like, you know, it, it, the, the cavalcade of whimsy is just, it, 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 it's, it's too much. It, it's absolutely too much. Your opinion should be your opinion. Your opinion should not have changed based on the outcome of that game. So, look, I, I don't have much to add other than, like, I, I echo Sean's sentiment of, like, I don't think that this will change that the, that one game changed anything in the front office that like the risks of trading for a guy before you had other questions on your roster that needed answers. Um, those answers are still being made, like being given this season. So you're like, you're still finding out what you have in Quentin Grimes. You're still seeing, you know, what RJ's trajectory, you're still seeing what Jalen Brunson with the extended minutes load looks like. And the biggest thing is like Julius Randle was not an asset this summer. He might actually be the next time you go into some type of trade negotiation um, for a star. And maybe the star's better than Donovan Mitchell. Um, what I also echo with Sean is like, I, I really don't think they're going to panic the way those of us putting fake Zach Levine trades out there might be. Um, that I said it and it, it was true a month ago. It's true now. A, a Zach Levine trade is a panic trade. It's not playing it out. It's not, it's not waiting. It's not being patient. I have my sights set a little higher that the Spurs will lose in the second round. Not the Spurs. The Sixers will lose in the second round and then Harden goes to someplace else and then Joel Embiid might look elsewhere and hey what do you know we have a two-time all-star Julius Randle that might actually be better fit for the trade than RJ Barrett like that's that's why you wait and the Cavaliers have you know Jared Allen and um and Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and their hopes that those three will get better around Mitchell so they were able to go all in like that they had more answers to their questions um and they the these regular season moments, which look what spawned Mensa's thread. I, it's okay if I say this, Mensa. Um, what spawned your thread was the the reaction to the moment. But we were Monday night. Like if he did this in the garden, you just would not be able to talk to me for like three weeks. I'd be like, hey, Donovan Mitchell scored seventy one. Hi, my name is Andrew. How can I? How nice to meet you. Like strangers would know that Donovan Mitchell scored seventy one points for my basketball team. Having said that, regular season moments, they just, they don't change anything. Nothing has changed to the Donovan Mitchell conversation since the summer. Um, and I will hope that the front office continues their patient approach as, you know, Noah Vonley got traded today. Trade season has officially opened in the NBA this year. And we'll see um, what, what that means for, for the team that we root for. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. XJ, I believe you have a 
data led take or thing that you're bringing to the table. So it might be about the next me- recent performance. They are 11 and five in their last 13, last 16 games. Um, XJ, the floor is yours. Well, I appreciate it. And of course I have a data driven segment. Uh, what, what else would you expect? <laughs> of course. Um, so on most of our casual Fridays, my box in one topic is going to be a segment I like to call stats. Don't care about your feelings. Uh-oh. Uh, so during this segment, I'm going to share one Nick stat or, you know, maybe like a collection of stats from the previous week. Um, that seems potentially troubling or something that, you know, feels unsettling. Um, and I want to hear from the crew, whether it brings them down or they're not concerned at all. So this week, you know, in retrospect, despite a couple of particularly embarrassing games against the Spurs, um, the Knicks still went three and one in their last four. Um, and over this tiny four game sample, I'm looking at it right now. The Knicks have a great offensive rating of one fourteen point eight. An elite defensive rating of 106. That's that would be number one in the league if they mm-hmm. had that all season. Um, and the fourth best net rating during this stretch of games at plus 8.8. And that's over the last four games. That's that's really impressive, um, especially considering the couple Spurs games that we were not happy about. Um, and then during that stretch, as we know, quickly has been playing a ton of minutes. Like a ton is like not even enough to, <laughs> to describe the number of minutes that quickly has been playing. Um, but I looked at his per 36 minutes um, and he's averaging 20 points on a respectable 55% true shooting to go along with six rebounds, five assists, one steal, and only one turnover. Um, so quickly's really been thriving. What all this talk about his efficiency being down, like, really doesn't overcome how excellent he's playing. There's no way, like two ways to look at it. He's playing excellent on both ends. Um, and we obviously know Randall's been completely thriving and, and, you know, borderline dominant um, besides the most, re- this most recent game, but just mm-hmm. on average. Um, and during this successful stretch, you know, I was just thinking about it and, you know, there's been one guy missing uh, who hasn't been there. And, um, his name is, uh, his name is, uh, is a couple of initials. <laughs> his name is RJ Barrett. <laughs> um, and on the season, the Knicks are 4.7 points per 100 processions worse when RJ's on the court. Obviously this includes the time when, you know, he's one of the worst players in the league for a short amount of time. So it's definitely not this bad in reality, but every other starter, and and um, Emmanuel quickly all have positive differentials in terms of their on off. So I, you know, threw all these stats at, at you guys and, you know, I'm not going to say what I think about it, but I'm going to ask you all first, I'm going to turn to you all. Um, do these stats and just kind of what you've been seeing on the court get you feeling concerned or not at all about, you know, one RJ Barrett? I would love to start with Mensa. I wonder if Mensa has any well, opinions about this. I so it's funny. I was gonna say let me and Sean just get our quick thirty second. Huh? That's interesting. I, I, way, I think that, that that's word, a better approach. Uh, I, I this is an ambush. You, you you threw this. Mensa was not prepared for for the RJ Barrett. It's meant to evoke feelings. That's the point of the segment. Ah, but it doesn't. <laughs> but feelings that you don't care about is what it's meant to evoke. Apparently. Um, Sean, what I mean, it, it's I'm going to call it the elephant in the room because I don't I think that Knicks could actually use an extra 30 minutes from a not Evan Fournier type. Um, I will would be lying personally, and this is all I'll say about it. If I didn't say, huh, 
the lineup kind of looks different in a, a positive way with quickly in there instead of RJ, but I digress. Uh, Sean, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on, on these stats that don't care about our feelings? I yield my time to mental. No, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, a wise man once told me, I can get numbers to tell any story I want. Mm. With that being said, because I've seen some in discourse like, hmm, they don't miss RJ at all. Oh, maybe you don't know. Hey, maybe we can trade RJ because we, we I've seen some discourse and I'm like, OK, we just watched this team lose five games in a row. But now you're saying that we don't need RJ. Mm-hmm. Like you were watching yesterday. Julius gassed, IQ gassed, all these guys gassed. What are we thinking? Oh, but we don't need 30 to 35 minutes from a 23-year-old kid who scores 20 points a game. It's like, eh. I think to XJ's point, like he said, those numbers include what he was arguably one of the worst. No, no. He was one of the worst players in the league. Arguably the worst player in the league, right? So I would not... I would not say I would not deem RJ surplus the requirements just yet. And I also know that um, if Tibbs continued this eight man, 40 minute rotation bullshit, there won't be a New York rotation from the return to RJ return to um, because they'll all be dead or in in the hospital or something. Before we go to Mensa, who's he playing? Other than like, who who do you want to play more minutes? You want more forty eight minutes? Well, actually, I think I did ask the right person. Do you want more forty eight minutes? So you want them to be a negative thirty? Hashtag situational. Yes, they've been terrible. Those forty eight minutes. Derek Rose minutes have been bad too. Hartenstein's been unplayable for a month. He has six playable players. Well, right the reason why Hartenstein, well, the reason why Hartenstein isn't playable is because the head coach does not use the player in doesn't the manner that he should be used. Correct. And it's not like that's in it. So, um, doesn't I didn't doesn't, say doesn't count for the defensive end though. I, I will say that does nothing to do with the defensive end. It's the offensive end that he's not being used correctly. Yeah. So, um. I'm just saying I'm not I'm not out on the I'm not shipping RJ out of here just yet. Thanks on those numbers. Mensa, I will say something in your favor before I give you the floor. So while I do understand why XJ went to that four game sample size, and yes, the eye test has liked seeing Emmanuel quickly go from like 17 unacceptable limit of minutes to 100 a game. Um, I believe that is actually how many minutes Emmanuel quickly is averaging. It's a hundred minutes per game. Um, if you make the sample size to December 4th, when they made the switch, the, the most recent rotation switch, when they went to, to deuce and they, they sat cam, they sat Derek Rose, um, RJ Barrett in the 12 games since then had a, has a 118 offensive rating, a 108.9 defensive rating, and a 9.9 net rating. So they're plus, almost plus 10 with him on the floor. So that would be in favor of that, uh, of RJ not being as, as much of a liability. I do wonder if, if this is more pro quickly than it is anti RJ, but I, I, I yield the rest of my time to the gentleman, um, in the top right corner, uh, Mensa, 
the the note that those who don't know, he is he is the largest RJ Barrett supporter that Knicks Film School can offer. Um, this side of Chris Percy Einan. So Mensa, the floor is yours. Having heard all of this, what do you have to say? I'm not tripping about this at all. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because on January 3rd at 3.07 p.m., one uh, Twitter account at more like Mensa tweeted out, this game will show us how valuable RJ is or isn't to the starting lineup. It got one like, and do you know who liked that tweet? One at Xavier J design. <laughs> so it's not like this came out of nowhere. Um, and it's not that I haven't been having the same thoughts. So I will take a different, I guess, angle at this. If, and I know this is not possible. If the New York Knicks decided to call up the Detroit Pistons and say, hey, Detroit, we will give you R.J. Barrett and you can give us back Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich. Would that make the Knicks a better team in the immediate future, like for this season? Absolutely, because you're not going to deal with the inconsistency that R.J. Barrett has kind of like made his career. And you would have two vets who can score the ball, can space the floor, and you get big big money AB back home. So it's a women's situation. But at the same time, let's look at, if you want to look at these last four games, the minute distribution is completely unsustainable. Emmanuel quickly 100%, cannot, yes. cannot play 46 minutes a night against the San Antonio Spurs and you look me in my face and tell me that, oh yeah, the Knicks are better off without RJ Barrett. <laughs> when you need... 46 minutes from maybe a top three player on the team this season with like, I don't even think it's a maybe. I think it's definitive. He's been one of the three best players on the New York Knicks this season against the San Antonio Spurs who have planted their flag on Tank Island by sending uh, Devin Vassell for, I think, um, arthroscopic surgery today. So they are not trying to win games. And still, we needed 46 minutes from Emmanuel quickly. And still, we needed a huge Jalen Brunson performance in order to beat a team like that. It pays to have good players on your team. R.J. Barrett is a good basketball player. And the thing about R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett was never... The young players in general, it's not about what they do for us this season. So I still believe in RJ Barrett's potential. I still believe that he will be one of the best players on this team going forward. And I can also acknowledge that the New York Knicks could upgrade from him this season if that was if that's what it's all about. It's really not what it's all about, though. It's about getting to a star player. And if getting RJ Barrett to play 23, whatever, like however many minutes he plays and increases, um, I guess his value mm-hmm. is statistically sp- speaking and trade him down the line. I wouldn't be happy with that, but also we can, we can acknowledge many things here. We can acknowledge that the Knicks would be better in the immediate future with a better play than RJ Barrett, because well, this December stretch has been excellent, but the RJ Barrett that we know is not necessarily like if you look at the stats, the stats don't tell you that he's a good basketball player, right? All of that is projection and faith in who he will be, right? This recent stretch has been great, but again, we're not talking about the recent stretch. Emmanuel quickly in the starting spot is short. That's the first thing. We got a 6'1 guy, a 6'3 guy, and a 6'4 guy. I don't believe you can move that long term in the NBA. And I've made my thoughts pretty clear about how important height is when it comes to winning in in this league, right? Mm-hmm. 
So we can we can talk about and again, like you were right. Stats don't care about your feelings. And I have very strong feelings towards R.J. Barrett. But also, I'm not an idiot. And at the end of the day, I root for the name on the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. So, look, if we want to move on from R.J. Barrett because Emmanuel quickly looks like he's been better. Sure. But you also have. But getting rid of a six, six wing to put in a six, three guy, you're creating more problems. And it kind of just becomes you know, like you're just shuffling deck chairs on a team that's not going anywhere in the first place. And I love the New York Knicks, but they're not going to do anything this season of note. XJ. So I need to come clean. Uh, I, the reason why I want to go last is because I, I like RJ too. I don't, I don't think they're better without <laughs> RJ. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> um, no, I, I honestly, I was just throwing it out there. Obviously four games is a tiny sample you have to consider strength of schedule, strength of opponent, all these other factors. Everyone knows who's heard me speak that I love Emmanuel quickly. I love IQ. I think he's going to be, I've said before, I think he's going to be a borderline all-star player. I will hold to that. I think eventually his shot will become more um, consistent over time and everything else. Every other part of his game has developed and blossomed amazingly. And I think he's going to be a really impact player for a long time to come. But I think RJ is very valuable to this team. I think the way he attacks the basket, the way he gets to the basket almost at will. Um, really, I think it, he's undervalued at this point. Um, and we've talked about this before. When you take out the first five games of the season, when he was shooting like 20-something percent or whatever it was, um, he's been a highly effective player and, and on decent efficiency. Um, I, I looked at that on NBA.com earlier. And if you take out the first five games of the season, he's 21 points per 36 six rebounds, three assists, and on 55% true shooting, which is around league average for guards, um, for wings, I should say. So he's been a highly effective and reasonably efficient player for 90% of the season. Um, so I'm, I'm an RJ fan. Like I, I'm, I'm happy with him here. I wouldn't get rid of him. I don't think the Knicks don't need him. Uh, you know, I just wanted to, to evoke some feelings with some, with some statistics for the, for the debut of, uh, of the segment. So I, I think mission accomplished, I would say. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Sean, I know you have something that you brought to the table, and what might that be? Um, I have... I want to ask you guys a question to see if you can get the answer. Wow. What do these four players, Kevon Looney, Austin Reeves, Nick Claxton, Paolo Bancaro, these, all these players have one thing in common. I'll give everybody one guess, and I'll start with Mensa. They got more votes for the All-Star game than Julius Randle. Mm. <laughs> First try. There you go. <laughs> One take hold. Um, listen. Uh, well done. <laughs> All star voting is a joke. Um, it was. A, it's been a joke my entire life. Uh, fans, generally speaking, are not the wisest as a collective. Um, what's so? Yeah, fan voting is a joke. What's an even bigger joke is the idea that they said, oh, I know what we'll do to fix this. We'll split up the voting between the fans, the media, and the players because they know all and they know more than we do. And what these, whoever made this decision failed to realize or realize it just didn't give a shit is that people like fans the media members and players all have one thing in common. They're all human beings and human beings have their biases. Um, I'm not going to go nuts and trash the fan base for not voting enough for Julius and, 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 and um, Jalen simply because they were never going to be starters ever, which is fine. I'm not, I don't, not, I'm not here bang the drum for, um, Julius Randle all-star starter or Jalen Brunson all-star starter. I mean, when you look at the front court, like Durant, Giannis, and B Tatum, like you're done, right? And then for the guards, like say what you want about Kyrie, he's been balling. Donovan Mitchell, the aforementioned Donovan Mitchell, um, Jalen Brown, what have you. Um, so the 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 Oh, my son is my, <laughs> he's yeah, really upset that the no, he's eating and he's downstairs and he's like go eat your dinner go i'm doing a podcast go bye um tell him to vote as many times as he can while he's up there I'm he got, he got more before. votes than julius randall too yeah, I so, <laughs> um yeah, so, yeah, so i will say like i think so i will say that um uh everyone's votes going forward should just be five Knicks and Scoother West going mm. forward. Um, who is voting for Derrick Rose? That's what I really wanted. <laughs> the city of Chicago. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, but, so, so everyone in Chicago's backcourt is literally Derrick Rose and DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what they're doing. Um, so 
uh, listen, I put the joke out there that Tibbs voted as many times as he could, um, but just had like a, a, a continuous thing, uh, like a, a I, I'm trying to think of something that isn't offensive, but like literally had a had a room of people just sending in ballots as many times as they could. Um, Chicago voted early vote often. Yeah. Um, well, Randall would have gotten votes if that if Tibbs was voting. If Tibbs was voting, could, yes, so, then yeah. Jalen Brunson would. And Brunson be, would. Yeah, yeah. 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 Quinn Grimes. Oh my gosh, Quinn Grimes would be leading. <laughs> He'd be starting for exactly. sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, Derek Rose is apparently really popular in China. Um, he is very popular in the Midwest. Um, we saw this in the mid two thousands when because uh, it's an international vote when Yao Ming was getting more votes than Prime Shaq. Um, this is rookie Yao Ming. Um, this is just a, a thing that happens. And this is why um, it's a popularity contest. It's why when I factor in all-time status, All-Star Games is so far down the list of things I look at. Um, All-NBA, MVP shares, what you did in the playoffs, um, certain certain advanced metrics I'll look at, but like all-star voting is so far away. It's, it's a thing for fans. It's a thing for, I cared about this when I was a kid, you know, I, it's for them and I'm less, I'm less interested. I gotta be honest. Haven't watched the actual game in years. You know, I'll watch the, I'll watch Saturday night and I'll watch like the intros for the game. But like, this thing is on in the background while I'm, I'm working on something else. You know, the 2020 game was good. That's the first year they used the Stepien. The Elam ending. The Elon, the Elam ending. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they also gave a shit because Kobe passed and they're like, we're right, right. So here's the here's the real crux of my section here. Um and I'll and I and I'll throw the question to to you all. So I tweeted that the Knicks have two all-star NBA all-star worthy players today. I didn't say too many all-stars because listen. Is a chance that one or two don't get in, but they have also worthy players. So um, Josh Eberly, shout out to him, mm. um, retweeted it and he said that he had Tatum, KD, Giannis, and B Donovan as locks, and then he had he said Halliburton and 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 uh, Jalen Brown are also in, which I agree with. So that makes five spots left. So who are you taking out of these five? Who, which five are you taking out of these players? And the players you listed were Kyrie, Siakam, Butler, Bam, Randall, Harden, Brunson, DeRozan, Porzingis, Trey Young, Brooke Lopez. Now, I say that I always thought that Kyrie was getting in from the jump because he yeah. was getting in. So that brings it down to four. All right. So then, so then now I have four. Now basically, I have four spots. So the I, so what I have for benches, because a lot of people don't realize, is that for the bench, even the coaches pick it, it's three front court players, two guards, and two wild card spots. Yeah. The guards are going to be Hal Burton and Brown. Um, yeah, they're going to be the guards. Front court, I put Joel, I put Siakam, and I put Jimmy Butler. And I reason I'll tell you why I put Jimmy Butler because the wild card spots I put DeRozan and one of Brunson or Randall because I do not believe they're going to give the New York Knicks two all stars, <laughs> and because of the structure of what it is, they're going to be like, all right, well we're not going to put we're not going to put Randall here. Who's the fr- who's the guard we're going to pick? I mean, who's the four we're going to pick? I think they'll pick Jimmy based on they'll based on reputation, what have you. So the question I have to you is of those names, and I'll read them again if you need me to. Who do you think will make it out of those out of those spots? 
out of those four spots. So I'm going to put in our chat the tweet that Sean is referring to. So Mensa and XJ can um, look at it. And I'm also going to pull it for those watching on YouTube so they can see um, see the list. Uh, I'll just also answer. I will say this. Those of you that are KFS patrons, you've heard you heard me and John do this a month ago, or two months ago, I should say, because we did it before Thanksgiving, and it was a like way too early look at the all-star picture. And what we did was we actually we were trying to talk about the Jalen Brunson all-star case. And this was back when I just brought up how great Julius Randle's offensive season season was, just to say, like, if he was if he wasn't like completely lost on defense we'd be talking about Julius Randle offensively and potentially being an all-star. The next month then happened and look at where we are. Julius Randle is ahead of Jalen Brunson in consideration for the all-star game. Um, Benji and John also had this very discussion as far as Randle's chances the other day on the pod. So not to completely rehash it. Um, so I will say, I agree with the fact with Josh that uh, Katie, Giannis, Embiid, Mitchell, and Kyrie. And those were also the five starters that John and I projected it would be a month ago um, or two months ago. Um, Tatum, the two Celtics, Tatum and Brown. Um, so I'm also, I'm pulling Kyrie from that list, by the way. So yes, uh, the two Celtics, Tatum and Brown and Halliburton. Yes. Certain analysts for um, certain networks. Uh, yes. Halliburton is a guaranteed all-star. Um, that gives me eight which means there's four spots. I'm not as sold on Jimmy Butler as you are. I do think Jimmy Butler has been great. I wonder how much games played is going to matter. And he's only played 25 games. If that doesn't matter, Jimmy Butler is an absolute lock. So I agree. I just, I wonder he's played as many games as Siakam, who I also think should get a ton of consideration. I'm also, I think the Rosen and Randall is closer than, than we think. Um, especially where the Knicks might be in the standings compared to where the Bulls are in the standings. Um, I also, they're not getting two all-stars unless again, unless if hypothetical, if not projecting, it's going to happen. They go something crazy like nine and zero in their next nine games. I don't think it's going to happen. Want that to be clear. Claudio curse, leave me alone. Um, I, from this list though, that, that is out there. I'm obviously pulling Kyrie. I'll put Jimmy Butler on there. Um, and then I'd put Harden and James Harden. What? No, I'm saying it ain't easy. It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, James Harden. Well, you're talking ahead. about games played. So Harden has fewer games played than Butler. And Butler's been better than Harden this year. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. So then that will I put Butler on. Oh, you did put Butler. I thought you said you were in the most recent thing. Cause I'm saying if that, if that counts, then I'll put Butler and Harden on. Yeah. Um, so I'll go Kyrie Butler, James Harden, Pascal Siakam, Julius Randle. And then no bulls, no, no second buck. No, no Brunson. Brunson. I do think, unfortunately, is an alternate solution mm-hmm. this year. I think he's been great. I, I, I just think what Julius has been lately offensively is going to stand out to voters more than others. And I'd be lying if I haven't had my own internal um, dialogue about uh, 
Julius Randle and whether I was a little personally too hard on him and forgetting what happened two years ago. And look, I, I'm a fan. I, I, I'm happy with what he has done this year and hopefully it's somewhat sustainable going forward. Um, XJ, let's go to you. So I guess all my hopes of becoming a fan favorite on KFS are going to go out the window with this, uh, with this portion. Um, I don't think, think the Knicks have any all-stars this year. I think like, like Sean said, all-star worthy, like uncertain years. I think you could say, I wouldn't even say two, I would say three. And this is the thing I think that's being overlooked. Um, you're going to Mitch. I knew I would go to to Mitch Mitch as a better all-star candidate than Brunson actually. And it's really tough. It's really tough. But um, I think Brunson's had a really down, like a, a bad stretch. Uh, and maybe it was only a couple weeks long, but it really torpedoed a weeks a, or a couple games. Uh, no, it was, it was bad. It like was he, bad. It torpedoed yeah. his stats. Um, the impact metrics don't like him anymore. They, they had him really high Brunson's the argument for Brunson to me has to be based on his clutch performance. And that to me, that's the only argument for his, for him. Um, he, in, in the clutch, he, uh, per 36 averaged 31 points on 59% true shooting, which is insane. Um, seventh most clutch points in the NBA, um, on 77 minutes. And that's 46 field goal attempts is really high. Um, to me, that's the only argument for Brunson in the clutch. But if you look at all of his normal stats, um, you guys know, I love impact metrics that are like the good ones. Um, and I love efficiency and you look at all those things, Brunson's like, Okay, his EPM, um, one of the best impact metrics to look at, one number metrics, is plus 0.9. That's very low. He would be, I think it's like 88th in the NBA in that um, metric. Um, His Raptor is 2.7. That would be 50th in the NBA. Um, BPM is 2.6. Not that great. His raw on off. Um, he's actually a negative, negative 1.2 on the season, which is in the 46th percentile. His true shooting is, is under league average. Um, it's really difficult to make an argument for Brunson when you're talking about the guys on this list, he would be the last person on this list. I think just looking at stats, Mm. um, again, like I said, you you interject the, the the clutch performance and to me that catapults him up a bit, but not enough probably to get over the season long performances from some of these guys. What I will say really quick, and and I and I think Randall is like the closest has the closest chance to getting in. He is more favorably comparable to a lot of these guys here, and I think it's probably going to come down to between randall and either DeRozan and porzingis and i think that that's really tough i think porzingis has a strong case i'm sorry to say this man um, porzingis has been excellent this year it's like undeniable i don't know he, it has been but i saved that take for patreon bro you're saying this on the regular feed i like, know i know this is rough that's what i'm saying i'm just you're doing saying. everything you can to it's really it's bad okay to say that Christos Porzingis plays good basketball no screw him forever I'm trying to be objective here I'm trying to be objective here guys Um, just because Steve just because Steve Mills picked the mystery box instead doesn't mean (laughs) that Christos Porzingis is not a good basketball player Uh, so Um, XJ where are you going with yeah let me let let me just finish up I'll, I'll finish up by just saying um and I think I think really looking at 
things that I care about, which is impact as opposed to, um, you know, points per game or counting stats or any of that stuff. I like to see players that impact the game in a, in an, uh, an immensely positive way for their team. And Mitch is that Mitch leads the Knicks in EPM. He's 12th in the East. He would be 12th in the East at 3.8, um, leads the Knicks in Raptor 4.8 would be, uh, 10th in the East and third amongst all centers. If you consider Pascal Siakam a center, his on off plus it's just raw on off plus 14.8 with 97th percentile in the entire NBA. Um, we're talking about Mitchell Robinson. Obviously his true shooting is astronomical just because yeah. he only dunks, but um, yeah. So just looking at his impact on the game, the fact that he anchors, you know, I think a, a top four defense in the, in the Eastern conference, uh, to me, he has almost as strong a case as Randall does. I don't think Brunson's up there. And I think it really comes down to, I, I don't think Mitch is going to get in. I'm just making the argument. And I think it really comes down to between DeRozan, Porzingis and Randall. And I think you could argue for Randall. You could argue for Porzingis. I think DeRozan's kind of off to me. So, um, I think so Randall has going, a chance and it's going to depend on the last few games. So you're going Kyrie, Butler, Harden, who and who? Sorry, Kyrie, Butler, Siakam, uh, um, like I said, one of DeRozan, Porzingis, and Randall. And oh, you know what? Because you get five on that. I get five. List. I thought yeah. it was four of this list. So I, because. Kyrie's going to be a starter. I made it eight. So Kyrie wasn't assumed. Oh, okay. Starter, you know, so gotcha. If yeah. Kyrie's eight, then it's four from the remaining rest of that list. Which- I think Harden's going to get in, but I don't think Harden should get in. It just hasn't played enough games. Mm-hmm. So I would go probably Porzingis and Randall. I would have Randall, ah. Randall getting in there. That's a, that's an interesting combo. <laughs> now introducing Porzingis, two-time all-star, <laughs> Christos Porzingis and Julius Randall. Um, I am, I, listen, I don't think Mitch is in the all-star conversation. I'm very glad you shouted him out though, because I want to say it was sometime late November where I forget which three it was. We were on the pregame show and their offense, their defense was bottom 10. And I was like, can I have a month of Mitch just to see what it does to their defense and Mitch and Grimes to see what it does to their defense. And lo and behold, the month of December showed the impact of both Mitch and Grimes. But Mitch in particular, we were having conversations of did they screw up with this contract because Sims and Hartenstein look great. Well, we're we're now at this point in the season and it's showing the impact of Mitchell Robinson. And I, I really hope I really hope the advanced metrics people that that um that uh, have had influence that it ends up being that it leads to more consideration when it comes to all defense voting for Metro Robinson. Um, Mensa, where are you going with these votes? Um, pretty easy for me. I've, I'm going, um, assuming Kyrie is in and we only have four spots to pick. Let's go Siakam, Butler, Randall, and Porzingis. I think it's pretty simple. Okay. Um, like, honestly, so we had the same, just to say Mensa, me and you had the same exact list. Yeah, definitely. Because Siakam has been, we saw what Siakam did. <laughs> also, I'm realizing now we all have the same five. Like nobody said anybody different. I think I had, no, Harden. you said Harden. I think so. What I said, Kyrie, Siakam, Butler. Oh, you have Porzingis over. Okay. I'm assuming yeah. Harden will get in. You guys are putting no James Harden. Okay. I'm, okay, not, gotcha. I'm not giving Philly two all-stars because mm-hmm. they've been too 
unhealthy throughout the season. Um, like you don't get to miss a month in this all-star race and be like, yep, yeah, I'm an all-star. It doesn't happen. Um, I'm not rewarding the loser bulls at all. <laughs> um, definitely. I mean, DeRozan has nope. been great, but we're not rewarding the bulls. The bulls have been a dumpster fire as far as um, expectations go. Um, I would say internal expectations because we didn't expect anything for Chicago in New York. Um, and Porzingis has been great. Just like he's been great. Um, there's no getting around that. I personally um, believe that, you know, the November man would stop being great in December and it's um, January and he's still good. And you can't. And then on top of that, I do like to see, you know, front court guys get some love because everything is, you know, cross tween has he, you know, fast break dunk. You don't really see the seven footers get too much. But the, when Porzingis is playing well, you got to give it to him. And Julius Randle, last I checked by BPM and Vorp, I believe is a top four forward in yeah. the Eastern Conference. So I don't think there's much of an argument against Julius Randle. Um, Jimmy Butler has been excellent, also been hurt. And that's the last thing that I would say about Julius Randle. He doesn't miss games. And <laughs> if we want to make the 82 game season matter, you have to reward guys who play all 82. And Julius Randle is one of those iron men. You got to let him in. And that's not me just being a Knicks fan. That's me just, I mean, come on. I like watching basketball in January. You know, I don't like being a Clippers fan over the past couple of years has to have been incredibly frustrating because, you know, you have um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but they might play every third game. And like, I, I don't like that. You know, at the end of the day, um, I know you have to take care of your body, but this is a product that you are selling to people and love him or hate him. Julius Randle's on that court and this season he's been really good. So I think he's. I personally think he's a lock to make the all-star game. Once you consider that the regular season matters and he plays a lot of regular season games and he's been really, really good in those regular season games. Yeah. Just to Mince's point. So Kevin Durant, we're going by Vorp, right? Kevin Durant, Giannis, uh, Sabonis is a forward or a center. What are you guys calling him? He's a center, but he's also in the Western Conference. I'm talking specifically about Eastern Conference. Oh, if you're just going East, yeah. then it's Durant, Embiid, Tatum, and, and Randall. Those, those are the four forwards. The, like, so he would, like you said, qualify in, in that sense. Um, okay, Sean, uh, thank you for bringing this tweet to our attention. Uh, do you have anything to add before we go to my topic to wrap up? Yeah, the last thing I'll say is that I'm glad that none of us said... Um, Ray for Trey Young. Trey Young. Um, yeah. <laughs> because if that dude makes it like that dude, I said a few weeks ago, that dude's not making the all-star team because he's not gonna get voted in. And the coach is gonna look at him and be like, please. Yeah. Um, which is why also why I don't think Harder's gonna make because I think the coach is gonna look at him and be like, please. Um, so I, which is why I thought that Jewish might not have made it, but at some point you can't you can't you cannot overlook. And I think Mesa made an amazing point about we people bitch and moan about like uh, uh, resting and, and low management, whatever. This dude balls every doesn't miss a game and he plays NBA. So, yeah, uh, cool. I yeah. Just, I, the name the, that that's what is giving me pause is like it's James Harden, you know, yes. like the, the name power of it all might get get a, a coach to be like, well, I game plan for this guy anytime he's on the court. So, that, yeah. that's why that's why that would happen. What do you got, XJ? I just wanted to say one quick thing, which is that. Mensa's point about playing time, I think it's it's such an important point and not just for in terms of like fan viewership, but like in terms of value, like you're adding value when you play, 
you yeah. can't be valuable if you're not playing. So I think that that's a, an essential point and definitely needs to be considered. If it's like a borderline case and you're, t- you're comparing two guys and one guy has played every single game and like top of the charts in minutes played. And then another guy's like taken off like 10 games. It's got to go to the guy who's played every minute. Um, and then when you look at VORP, VORP accounts for playing time, essentially. So that's why Randall's going to be up there because he's played a ton of minutes. <laughs> yes, yes, he has. What's up, Knicks fans? I get extremely busy this time of the year. I'm watching basketball games, recording podcasts, and brainstorming ways to trade your favorite Knicks. So I try to save time and skip the grocery store when I can. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest. With keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and protein plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 36-plus quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. Eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor because each meal is prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. You know that your Factor meal has all of the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to select vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, there really is no easier way to eat well. Achieve and maintain your goals this year with Factor. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time, eating well, and living your best year ever. Don't hesitate. Head to factor75.com slash filmschool60 and use code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. My thing is going to be pretty quick. Um, Sean, you hinted at it earlier. Uh, Very popular podcaster, CEO of a company uh, known as The Ringer. Uh, Mr. Bill Simmons on his podcast the other day um, after Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points in a basketball game that required overtime. uh, He said suddenly that this is now a Knicks what if. And it's funny because he said, I remember when him and Rosillo were like, yeah, I also wouldn't have done that trade if I were the Knicks. And it was for all the reasons that we mentioned that there's still so much uncertainty about the Knicks roster that pulled the trigger on this trade. I just, it doesn't make you a top five team. And then he, in the conversation that he had on his pod the other day said, uh, I think that would make them a top five team. I think so. You wanted the Knicks to do all of that because you think something might have happened. Like you're not. There's no certainty involved in what the Knicks were. There also is no certainty. Julius Randle is what he is. If he's having to play the third fiddle on this team. Um, having said all of that, he then decided to go through an entire list of Knicks what ifs. The greatest Knicks. What he considers the greatest Knicks what ifs. Um, the, the honorable mentions were Golden State. If they don't, pa- what if the Knicks, what if Golden State passes on Steph Curry and he falls to the Knicks? The Charles Smith game, what if a foul is called or a layup is made and the Knicks go up 3 2 in the 1993 Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, Kevin Durant in 2016 or 2019, more specifically 2019, because for four months, every NBA insider told me that Kevin Durant's going to the Knicks. And then three days before, he went to Brooklyn instead. 
Uh, and the Kevin McHale, um, the Knicks signed him to an offer sheet, but this was back when in 1982, when the salary cap was different. And um, then he and Red Outback was able to put the Knicks in a tough spot by off signing three of their players to offer sheets. And so if the Knicks wanted to have any roster, they were going to have to take care of them, which took them out of the Kevin McHale sweepstakes. And it's what if they had just said, screw it and kept Kevin McHale and we'd had Kevin McHale and Bernard King for the second half of the decade. And who knows what happens? No Ewing, maybe Bernard doesn't get hurt. A lot of butterfly effect. Those are the honorable mentions that he listed. The ones that he said are what ifs are the Carmelo trade. What if they don't do it? Um, the 1965 draft of what if they take Rick Barry over Bill Bradley, NBA champion and retired number by the Knicks, Bill Bradley. To be um, fair, he did say that what if we'll work in the other direction because maybe if Rick Barry goes there, we don't win anything because Rick Barry's an asshole. Right, but he also put it on his actual list instead of an honorable mention. So he actually, fair. it's tough to put this where it is. Um, the Bernard King injury. Uh, the Mitchell non-trade gets this high on the list three spots after he said, what if they didn't panic for Carmelo Anthony, which would have been the same context. Anyway, um, what if they never hired Isaiah Thomas? I, deal. Yes, that, that is a what if, believe me. Uh, the summer of 2010, uh, that's one of mine. And then uh, the biggest what if for the Knicks is the almost trade of Kareem. When Kareem got traded to the Lakers, there was a world where he could have got traded to New York. He was from here. So it made sense. They went to the Knicks first. The Knicks couldn't afford him. Um, they had uh, tried to get somebody else that was on the Sixers. And then the league also ruled that, that was an illegal signing. So not only did they void that signing, um, but the Knicks then lost their draft pick. So the Knicks ended up with not the guy they tried to sign from the Sixers, not their draft pick. And then Kareem went to the Lakers. Um, and then there's the there's there's been some books on this. I haven't read one of them in a while, but I believe the Julius Irving to the Knicks, because when the ABA um, when the Nets came to the NBA, they owed the Knicks some money because of the territorial uh, agreement. And like they owed them like basically alimony every year while they were uh, in New York. And the Nets were like, if you get rid of that thing, we have to pay you every year. We'll give you jelly serving. And the Knicks were like, actually we want that money every year. And they went to Philly instead with it. So the Knicks could have had in this hypothetical Simmons world, Julius Serving and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the 80s, which, good Lord. <laughs> I, the, it's fascinating that that could have existed. My thing to bring to the table is, A, how do you do an entire list of Knicks what-ifs and not mention the name Pat Riley once? Um, and then, just to you guys, what are your personal... What is if if it's on this list? Great. If you have other ones to mention, what are your biggest Knicks what-ifs? Um, Mensa, we'll start with you. So while I appreciate history, I wasn't around for any of that stuff. Right. <laughs> it's really going to impact what is what if to me. Exactly. So um, personally, my biggest what if for as long as I've been a New York Knicks fan is what if the Knicks gave the president of basketball operations job to an actual basketball guy? <laughs> like what if we actually <laughs> was like, hey, Masai Ujiri, we love you. We're going to give you $20 million a year for five years to come run the Knicks and we'll be patient. What if we went and got, um, I think the Zanin guy in, um, in Boston, if we actually went out and said, we want to build this thing the right way. 
We're not worried about chasing stars. We're not worried about any of that. Let's go and build like we are the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm not saying to disrespect and dishonor the game with multiple years of tanking, even though I am pro tank. I just want to know what it would look like if the New York Knicks didn't care that they were in New York for like three years and said, let's accumulate assets. Let's go and build around a young player and let's be smart. Like, let's not worry about, oh, we have to sell everything for Jalen Brunson, who I love and adore. Right. But were, were there better things to do? Maybe we can argue that. But I just want to know what the Knicks would look like if they were ran not by an agent or by a triangle guru or anything like that. <laughs> if they just said, let's do a basketball thing, hire the brightest basketball mind, sell him on New York and let him build New York in his image. Sean, what's yours? Um, so when he was, so when Mets first real quick, when Mets was saying like, what if they did all these things? I was like, aren't they kind of doing that right now? Kinda like accumulating assets, Two half like, measures. Uh, it, uh, it's, oh. it's half measured enough. What he's saying is, what if they bottomed out? What if they yeah. sold off the parts on well, this team? Like, I, Randall, I, I say, yes, I yeah. say, I, I take, I, I'm, I'm bridging out the right word because I'm not really, it doesn't bother me, but mm. like, I always find it interesting when people like build it the right way because, like, what's the right way, you know? Like, yeah. there's more than one. Um, the, the, uh, what I will say is that, um, I, we, well, we did try to hire a basketball person and we hired him and did a good job. And then Mr. Dolan came in and said, All right, Messiah, I'll give you whatever you want. Please give me Carmelo Anthony. That's the behavior over there. Um, my what is. <laughs> <laughs> and they were the two seed two years later. Yeah. Oh boy, two seed banner right over there. Anyway, um, oh, <laughs> my biggest what if is what if PJ Brown does not flip over Charlie Ward? That's my what if. Oh, you got it. the same as yeah the. What if David Stern wasn't an asshole and suspended Ewing? For I'm not kids? even gonna. Yeah. I'm not even go there. Like, what if PJ Brown? decides not to just flip a dude over because he was boxing out a little low. But yeah. what if? That's that's fine. Yeah. I as far as actual gameplay is concerned, that's mine. Um I will say I've backed off it a little bit because they still would have had to go through the bulls. I thought that was their best chance to get through the bulls. <laughs> um I'm also not gonna pretend like getting through the bulls at any point in the nineties was easy. We all saw it. The that Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan, but they beat the Bulls twice that year. They were the only, they, they're one of two Bulls uh, home losses for the Bulls. Bulls went 39 and two at the, in, in the United Center that year. One was against the Knicks. Um, but uh, yeah, if the nine men, one mission game is looked at as heroic and I'm more like David Stern, like my my roommate in college, Sean, um, I guess everybody, uh, one, one of my roommates, was is from Phoenix and we shared that frustration of a David Stern suspension because he looks at 07 the Amari Stoudemire game five suspension the same way that I look at the Ewing suspension in game six 97 where it's like if David Stern doesn't do this for him taking two steps off the bench there's maybe a banner and he's got a better case because 
They were going back to we had home court in that series against the Spurs. The Jazz were waiting for them in the conference set finals. And then LeBron and everybody else on the Cavs was waiting for them in the 07 finals. That was Steve Nash's best chance at a ring. Um, so that's that's a legitimate what if if you're a Suns fan. As far as a Knicks fan, that's that's the gameplay one that frustrates me fr- frustrates me the most, Sean. Um XJ, what's yours? Yeah, so well, first it's it sounds like Bill Simmons was more doing uh near misses than like what ifs, right? Like it's yeah, what if to me sounds like use your imagination. What if something great happened? Yeah, it's it, not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not really what if it's what if something better happened than something yeah, yeah something bad that happened. Yeah, because if we were if it was that way, I would say I mean the ultimate what if is is what if. Jim Dolan was actually good at music and then decided to just <laughs> play in his band and sell the Knicks. Like that would and be the ultimate. What that's if. why XJ got banned from M. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's probably going to happen. It's fine. I live in Florida right now, so it's okay. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, well, yeah, I think a fun one. If like, I, I couldn't think of a really good one. I was going to say a Steph Curry. What if, or like a SGA, what if like things like that, but like a, what if is, what if Kyrie Irving was from Brooklyn instead of from New Jersey? Then Ooh, so he and Durant would have come here. <laughs> um, and not saying that would be good or bad, but that would have been really interesting. <laughs> really interesting. Last, last um, four years would have been very different. Would have been very different. <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> not saying yeah. that we would have liked it and not saying that it would have been fun, but it would have just been really interesting. And I'm just thinking, what if, you know, what if Kyrie wasn't really from Jersey? He was from like, you know, the Bronx or something. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I just. I, my real what if is what if Dolan like you know well, was good at something else and didn't inherit you know a basketball team for his dad. Knowing your your uh, your biases though, and how much you love Steph, that the the, the, o, the o nine draft though, I'm sure ranks high for you. It does, but I don't consider it a what if because the Knicks didn't pass on him. They didn't okay. get to. They didn't. He didn't make it to them. And it sounds like you know I think Golden State was going to take him the whole time. So I. I don't see that as a realistic what if more so SGA because we passed on him. Um, if, if Steph was there and they passed on, I, I, I don't know. So if you swap the Rosen and Curry and it's like, then instead uh, of the Knicks at eight, take like passing on to Rosen. If Curry was nine, let's just say, I can't say for sure. I can't say definitively that I'd still be a Knicks fan. I, I, oh, geez. I, it, it's, it would be that it would hurt that much. Like I might not be a basketball fan. I might not be able to watch the sport anymore. I, I if they just legitimately had them and it was just like, I got super excited. Like you're going to take Curry. Cause I wanted Curry to go to the Knicks in that draft, obviously. And then we had the opportunity and then it just like, they passed on him. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know that I could take that. <laughs> so my, Biggest next what if I've mentioned is what, and then shout out to a friend of the pod, Chris Herring, um, lays it out great in the New York Times bestseller, Blood in the Garden, um, which chronicles the 90s Knicks and talks a lot about Pat Riley and the, um, his resignation from the Knicks is what if the, like I joke around a lot about heat culture and I do think some of it is bullshit, but I also recognize how competent that organization is and how well run they are and the respect they have around the league. And that could have been us if the Knicks had just given him what he wanted in the mid nineties. And yes, maybe the Knicks heat rivalries don't happen, which I loved. And I still talk shit about to this day, probably unwisely, but um, 
who knows what happens if Riley's able to build in Miami what he built in New York. Are the Knicks... I know this is going to come off as uh, as hollow, Sean and XJ, but are the Knicks the Yankees? Are they a successful team with long-term success that's competitive every year in New York City? That's all I'm saying. I know they don't win every year and, and it's frustrating and it, if it's, it's championship or bust, but that... Like what if the Knicks were competing for a championship or bust every year and not, oh my gosh, we're going to be the sixth yet. I can't wait. You know, like what if, what, what would our lives be like if we had championship or bust expectations in New York, similar to what they have in La La Land with the Lakers? So I will say one quick thing that piggybacks on that and it relates to something Mets has said. He said he wanted the Knicks to like act like the uncle of City Thunder and not use the allure of New York. And I actually disagree. I actually think like you should. Like you should use playing in arguably the greatest city in the world to your advantage. You, that's not some, it should be used smartly and wisely. Like because what we do is, oh, we'll go after this B level guy who's loved to play here because it's New York, right? Like, like if Julius Randall had three or sixty three million dollars between New York and New Orleans, where is he going to pick? New York. Why? It's New York. Um, but I've always pushed back on that. Like the Knicks need to act like a small market team. Like, no, they don't. They need to act like a big market team. What they need to stop doing is stop acting like a silly big market team. Like they need to be what the Lakers used to be and not act like what the Lakers are now. So mm. I'm just saying that we should use that to our advantage. You can do that. And, and, and again, and you can do that and build the right way because you know you you have your capital and then you, you if you hit on your young guys then you can when it comes time to supplement them you can get the right vets because the right vets will want to play in New York. Mansa over yeah over um I don't disagree with any of that because my favorite executive in the NBA is Masai Ujiri. He built a championship team without ever picking in the top five for like, he had, you know, JV and a couple like big, like top five picks and everything, but he never bottomed out in Toronto, like never. And well, Scotty Barnes, I guess you can say was a bottom out, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, To win that championship, I should say in 2019, they never bottomed out. Like they continue to do things the right way, which is, find value where you can find value at every level of the roster. They don't, you know, sign Svi Makai Luke for no reason. You know, these are the kind of things where it's like every single asset that you have, you use to the best of your ability. And it's not always about extracting value at every single transaction as much as there's a long-term goal here. And we want to put the right things together in the right ways where I don't necessarily believe this, this regime has done. And I know other regimes in the past have, haven't done, you know? So it's like, that's what I want to see from the Knicks. Like if you hired a basketball mind and he looked at the roster, like today, if you fired everybody and he looked at the roster today and said, I believe in this guy. I don't believe in this guy. I believe in this guy. I think if I just do a couple of things here, we never have to bottom out. We can continue to add. Then I would love that. I just don't like when 
it's like you can tell when the front office is like stars or bust, stars or bust, stars are like it, it, it drives me crazy. We've been doing it for, with regime after regime after regime. Like Phil Jackson said, oh, let's implement the triangle and stars will come. And I don't know what Scott Perry and David Fisdale and Steve Mills were thinking where I was like, oh, it's New York. They'll come. And let's like, clear the roster and not. put a 17 win team out there and stars will come. Yeah, which is great. which is why personally, like this is tangential, but I don't regret. Um, Chris asked Porzingis for looking at those three idiots and saying, you know what? Maybe not here. Um, I don't, I don't begrudge him at all for that because I would not put faith in my 23 year old body and look at those guys, uh, David Fisdale and Steve Mills and Scott Perry and be like, you know what? Maybe, maybe these guys are the guys that'll get me to where I need to be. It didn't work out historically, obviously, because we ended up getting guys who kind of know what they're doing in uh, the Leon Rose regime. But my main point is that I just want guys who want to put the best basketball product out there in the long term, where it's about long term health of the franchise. And we can argue till the cows come home if Leon Rose and his regime are that. But I didn't. I don't want it to be an argument. I want guys that I trust and know will continuously put the right guys in in the in um in the right places and build the right operation. So we got Jalen Brunson slander. We got Kristaps Porzingis praise. We've got um crit- criticism of an unnamed owner and we got um more Kristaps Porzingis praise. Uh interesting first impression that you guys got going on here today uh there was no brunson slander i love brunson you said brunson. he sucks why do you hate jalen brunson next <laughs> thanks for translating for me yes welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um okay i think this has been a very successful first edition of casual friday thank you everybody for tuning in um i'm gonna do a a quick outro, but if you're watching on Twitter, excuse me, on Twitter, if you're watching on YouTube, please give these guys a follow. Their handles are in the name tag underneath their faces. Um, If you want to, you can follow me if you want, but if you want to do me even bigger favor, um, if you're watching, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Um, We'll be back next Friday with a brand new episode of Nick's Film School Podcast, The Casual Friday Crew. And until next time, thank you for listening and we'll speak with you soon. Peace. Peace.